What's up to all our sidekicks and hench folk out there in the geek nation? <clears throat> or I was I was just watching uh, the new Fraggle Rock. There's a new Fraggle Rock, and I started watching it with my son. And there was a scene where uh, I don't know, it's sort of like a hippy dippy kind of band, you know, like a guitar playing um, Fraggle shows up, and he says, "What's up, brothers and sisters and in betwixters?" Which I quite liked. In betwixters, I thought that was cute. Uh, anyway, you're currently tuning into the Colt Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert, episode 770 wherein we will review this past week's comics as well as talk about some fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. I am your host. Thank you so much for asking. It's no one ever. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, a rad-ass comic shop for rad-ass folks such as yourselves. Uh, joining me are some rad-ass folks, the aforementioned rad-ass folks. Brian Lieb and Noel Bartocci are just some of the rad-ass folks that I know. Uh, hi, guys. Hi. Right. So, so... I like to be uh, aforementioned. I like to have been yeah, mentioned. That? I like to be aforementioned. I like to have been mentioned before now. He likes he likes to yeah. mentioned again now. He likes a runway yeah. for all of his appearances and or, like public yeah, yeah, and or yeah. private. Just somebody should introduce, exactly. uh, introduce you constantly. Yeah, I looked into like one of those trumpet guys for a while. Uh, but to, to rock a little fanfare and like your title, yeah, you know, now exactly. presenting. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fun. He was fun, but he had to move. So that was the end of that. Mm. I mean, did yeah. you pay him well enough? No. <laughs> I did. I couldn't afford it. You know what a trumpeter guy goes for? It's a lot of money. <laughs> like like old school royalty money. It, exactly. It costs that much. Yeah. <laughs> I only have so many gold coins, and I have a lot fewer now. <laughs> Not enough doubloons, I see. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so uh, we were going to have like a, a pre-show conversation, but I just got a text from my wife that uh, – we can't go long on this one, so we're just gonna oh, we're gonna get fine. right to the books. Let's do it. We're gonna to get right books. to the books. To the books. To the books. And that's when I go I go into the the uh, fish tank and I click the thing on the ins and then never mind. Oh, There's yeah. a whole thing about the bat cave. So it's a real specific books. reference. Yeah. 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 I was uh, Batman, Catwoman, special number one from DC Comics, written by Tom King, with art by. Oh, the late, great Jean-Paul Leon and Mitch Jarrods. Mitch Jarrods? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mitch actually coordinated finishing the book. Uh, if you look at the credits, it was actually um, Jean-Paul Leon, pages 1 through 13, and then he did the breakdowns to, to 20, and then other artists filled in off of his breakdowns, and Mitch was the one that kind of coordinated it all. Very cool. Okay, cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> Too many tabs. Okay. Some great romances are destined to be. The Batman Catwoman series shows readers the romance between Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle as it changed over their lives. 
But what about their connections from before they became costumed adventurers? This special one-off issue, meticulously illustrated by Jean-Paul Lyon, traces the life of Selina Kyle from her earliest days to her entry into the criminal underworld and reveals that Bruce was actually a presence in her life all along. Whether it was fate or coincidence, this story gives even more reasons why Selina and Bruce's connection is one of the most enduring love affairs in comics. So uh, this was probably the last thing I read this week. Um, I was a really big fan of the Bat-Cat series when it started uh, with the wonderful art by Clay Mann. And then I fell off because of time. And then I heard that, uh, what, what's his name? Liam, Liam Sharp. Sharp. Oh, yeah. Liam Sharp got his dirty paws all over this book. And uh, has really, has oh. honestly, oh my. It's fine. Keep going. Okay, it's audio. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. It has honestly uh, made me just like not care about picking up the issues that he's drawn. That's how little I like his stuff. Uh, I went from really, really enjoying and looking forward to this book to being like, I mean, I'll probably get to it maybe someday, you know? Uh, so this is a special, and it's all Christmas-based, just in time for uh, February. Um, so I thought it was cute. I thought it was fine. We reveal that Selena Kyle, as she was growing up uh, in the orphanage that is the um, Wayne Orphanage, there's a picture of him with his, his mammy and pappy. And she just talks to little baby Bruce up there. Um, and it's cute. And I just feel like we have seen a lot of a lot of this thing from this series already. And I don't think that this particularly or added anything particularly interesting to the conversation. We already knew that she was talking to Joker in a weird way. Like there's something about the Joker dynamic with Catwoman that feels like it's not the Joker. There's something about his representation of the Joker, the way he characterizes him, that doesn't feel like the Joker to me. He's just, he seems so casual and normal, except for all the murders he does on the side. He just seems like a regular guy. He doesn't seem like the Joker. Anyway, you mean, like, I thought it was fine. Do you mean like he's not doing the Joker well, or you think it's not the Joker in the story? No, I, yes, I, I'm sure it is the Joker. Oh, I, I gotcha. It does yeah. not feel like the Joker yeah. that I have seen in the ways that I have seen him portrayed before, which is right. like, he could, he could do something crazy at any minute. Right. You can't just sit there and have a conversation with the Joker because if you don't laugh at the exact right time, he will murder you in a, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a terrible way. And she's just like, they're just buds hanging out, having beers and stuff. It's, it's very strange, very casual. Yeah, he's more like uh, a... It sort of goes against yeah. the Joker characterization of all these years. It's like a Cesar Romero kind of, you know, hanging out with the other bad villains kind yeah. of Joker. Yeah. What did, what did you think, Brian? Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I like this kind of um, long-spanning story that shows, you know, the, the progression of time over, apparently, her whole life. And um, I haven't been reading Batman Catwoman, but I, I also really liked it uh, when we read it for the show. And I don't know how much of this has already been revealed in that, especially the final panels. Um, I wonder, you know, no, have you, are you caught up on it? Is this, is uh, this known in the story? No. <clears throat> that was my short right. answer. I'll, I'll wait for my piece. Finish your, finish okay. your, your um, full thoughts. Yeah, I really liked it. The, the art is excellent. 
Um, I also got that kind of a sense from the Joker a little bit, but more so in his artistic portrayal of having those like court jester eye things, you know, Um, that's like the kind of Joker you might see in a, not necessarily an alternate universe, but a like, a, right, a disconnected reality that is like a this, more artist interpretation uh, kind of thing. This Which, version, yeah. this version is just like an uh, anarchy obsessed kids, though. Like that's kind of mm. how I read it. This is supposed to be, you know, twenty years ago. So mm. yeah. Um. Um. I, oh, I also I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I sent the translation of the final, uh, the final Spanish quote from the Cuban no. fan. All right, so it says, uh, I come from everywhere and I go everywhere. I am art among the arts. In the mountains, I am a mountain. And it is by the uh, Cuban poet Jose Marti. And interestingly, I found another translation, which I at first thought like, oh, maybe this one's better because the the first one I just ran through Google Translate. And then I noticed that that one rhymes. And it's like similar to that meaning, but it says like, uh, to I travel everywhere, but I am never a newcomer or something like that in place of the first line. And so they've chosen to adapt it to a rhyming structure rather than the meaning that it seems the poet meant to convey. And I, I definitely prefer you know, the, the one that I read. You know what the first line means? Everywhere he goes, he is already aforementioned. Yes. Yes, I like that about him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have been I have been reading this series the whole time. Uh, this I, I honestly this was supposed to come out like four months ago, but um, yeah. Jean Paulion sadly passed away, <clears throat> and it got pushed back. Um, but I love this series <laughs> despite the. Th- I'm sorry, I wasn't. I'm sorry, I chuckled. I did not chuckle at Jean Paulion dying. I ch- I chuckled at the Riddler page. That I forgot this scene. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I've been reading this series the whole time. I I, I adore it, um, despite the horrifically poor choice of fill-in artists. It is not permanent. Clay Man comes back this week, this month, uh, and it'll finish out strong, hopefully. But the way that the story has been told, the entire nine issues thus far, has been te- showing you three... Um, time periods at the same time without giving you proper transitions. You're just supposed to kind of feel it and see it in the art. And they have been telling very, very, very early uh, when Catwoman and the Joker have been young uh, colleagues and they, they do all the, they, they lay all the groundwork that Selena specifically has a punk rock. Fuck you. I don't really care about your shtick relationship with the Joker when she starts kind of seeing and becoming serious with Batman with Bruce um, the main bit of the story has been her trying to rectify or reconcile how she acted in her youth with these very awful people and how she wants to be better so all of those times where she's having like sit down conversations with him like this it's the Joker trying to kind of like but remember and she's like I'm not that person anymore so the whole dynamic actually does really work for me, but it's mainly because of all the groundwork, right? 
But just seeing them on the couch drinking beers in a poor, like, ba- abandoned house. Yeah, that's a little that's a little jarring. Um, <laughs> I have seen that. I, I've seen them in this series before this. Um, it's not just this issue. It, it's it's really their whole dynamic. You know, there's that whole sequence where he has placed a bomb under the ice and you you can tell Batman that there's a bomb under this ice. And I'm sorry, in a in a in an ice skating rink. That's the important part. Not just under some ice. Uh, yeah. Uh, at a, at a, uh oh, in your ice tray. He's got a cube. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna melt your ice. Boom. Uh, so no, it's under a, a ice skating rink that is being used by families. And you can go tell bats that I've I've put this bomb there. But then he'll wonder how you know, and then he'll know that we chat it's just that and even that's very cool it's really just his characterization when they're chatting he just mm. seems like a normal guy yeah the way he writes him it's, it's just a, it's a choice it's on purpose yeah um i don't know but i'm just not used to seeing the joker in that way so it's, i find it's, it it's disarming I, I agree it's disarming but i also find it um haunting uh and he did it during his batman run or tom king did it during his batman run too like the oh yeah that that uh I think it was the issue where it was really just the three of them in a church and the way that the Joker was just so kind of charismatic and matter of fact and like, well, I'm just going to murder this person. Oh, if you shoot me there and they'll shoot you here. Like it was, it was almost more sociopathic and creepy than just wild card. Um, And there's more of it here. I, I I don't disagree with you that it's a, it's a departure, but in context, I was kind of digging it. I, I have been digging it. Um, because personally, I'm tired of the Joker, as we see him depicted constantly. So this is just kind of nice-ish. I mean, if you want to call it nice, yeah. The con, like, it's not nice. It's awful, but it's a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, there you go, breath of fresh air. And then also too, like the scene that you described. The the I, I really liked. Those were early issues. I really liked that dynamic. The the idea that she at the beginning of their relationship was still trying to straddle the line of her old life and her potential new life. So it's like I'm not gonna rat on my, you know, former colleague in this world, but I also don't want to kill people and be a disappointment to the man I love, so I'll set up clues. Like, she's just be, is the, the most passive way to kind of do it. And I love this. I think it was great. Um, I'm very excited for the next issue that's not Liam Sharp art. I have a question. Uh, there are a couple scenes in here where, and they're, they're great, well, that's that's what I do want to say. the The scenes between Batman and Catwoman are excellent. I love the scenes. Um, my question is, he keeps trying to get her stuff for Christmas, and he keeps he's like, even when they're elderly, she's like, all these years, and you still don't know, you still don't know me. Why? I want, can you can you speak to that a little bit, Noel? What did you take away from that? From that? Uh, well, that had to do with the gift. Uh, he said yeah. he he went out of his way to pull strings and purchase this trust that has jewelry and a diamond and a, and blah, blah, blah. He essentially sets it up to where she could go have a heist, but it'd still be legal. And yeah. And he thought that that was incredibly sweet of him to try and like recapture what's for her. And he's like, she's like, you don't fucking know me. That's not why I did think like, like I think that I thought that that was actually funny. Like the idea of even Batman is a, even Bruce is kind of an idiot when it comes to 
<laughs> the woman he spent his life with. Yeah, I think that's. I think that was really cool. And I, yeah, he sets up yeah. like a playtime. Yeah, like a fake heist that she can do. Yeah, like you. She's asshole. like, what? <laughs> yeah, you piece of shit. But, yeah, I assumed it was because I. I also had that reaction, JD. Like I figured that's what it was, but I wondered, is it because she? It's it's like a setup, and so she's not interested in it, or is she not interested in? That was my assumption. No, that it was a setup. <clears throat> that it was a setup. Yeah. And not like I never really cared much for stealing or some other thing uh, that is not hinted at. I don't you think, know what I mean? It, it was a little bit. I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive. Like, she mm. is not a thief for maybe the reasons that people think she's a thief. Just right, That's right. just like not necessarily understanding the, uh, you know, sociopathy of somebody. But then also, like... Mm. You nerfed it, dude. Like, why is this? This isn't a challenge. That's actually pretty, um, it's pretty condescending. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I actually loved her and I loved her relationship with Helena, like a lot. Uh, when she's young Robin and then also when they're kind of colleagues or except at least contemporaries, uh, the, the competitiveness of it, but then also just they're this is cute this, like there yeah. are there are a lot of like really sweet scenes in here like the kind of um it's i would read a whole series about the uh the uh i don't know odd nature of their parenting yes I absolutely that would be read fun his book yeah like a family story like kind of focused on helena with them as yeah like uh, the, like a, yeah yeah now, JD, the, you flashed up on the sword there, which I thought was odd for a number of reasons. Like, one, Batman is giving a sword to his daughter. To a five-year-old? Right. Mm. It seems like, like, I know he doesn't have a thing against swords, but it's not like a bow staff that you right. just hit people with. You know what I mean? A sword. And also, so he's like, I put cement metal in so it'll be lighter. But I'll take it out later. One, why would you take it out? Like, it has nth metal in it. <laughs> and two, how do you take it out of the sword if it's you part use of the batmanium. sword? You <laughs> I mean, just replace it like a one-to-one? I, 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 yeah. I presumed it was in the hilt where all the weight is, like for the balance. Oh, maybe. And yeah. it's because she's smaller without as much arm strength, without as much of her body strength. Yeah. And then when she gets older, he'll be able to take it out and she'll be able to just wield the weight of the hill. Yes, but it's, um, it's and so, <laughs> so I wondered that myself she, when she cracks it open. First of all, I had something I want to say about this scene with relation to the scene before it uh, in a second. <clears throat> but I thought that myself. I was like, a, a sword? Why would you? What? Right. Like a batarang? Sure. Like something, like something that makes sense. Right. But I am Wonder Woman. So it clearly at this point in time, she is very excited about Wonder Woman and a Wonder Woman has a sword. So he made her a sword. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Even I think it was lasso. something like she's interested. She's interested, right? Well, maybe she's interested I, in Wonder Woman's sword. She likes the sword. Yeah, she's just it's in true. like a sword phase. We've all yeah, been in a sword phase. That's cool. I have a bunch of swords. Yeah. From I'm not um, kidding. <laughs> yeah, I had a samurai sword at one point. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Never had a sword phase, guys. <laughs> uh, no, so um, I actually fenced. I took fencing lessons. That's not a phase. Oh, that's that's cool. a that's a practice. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I was into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, to sort of the back and forth between them and the difference between these two characters, Batman and Catwoman. Um, it's Batman's time to be at home with the little girl on Christmas Eve 
or Christmas. And so Catwoman is out doing a penguin thing. She's beating the penguin. And she says, don't forget to tell her it's from me. And when he, when he, she opens the present, he says, this is from m mommy and daddy and you can give it a name. It's a cat. She, is, she has gotten her daughter a cat. And Batman says, that is from your mother and I. Even though Catwoman says, tell her it's from me. <laughs> and then we go to the sword section where she gets the sword. And daddy's on the phone, sweetie. This is his special gift to you. He didn't even tell mommy about it. She, I, I like that little difference between their characters hmm. where Batman, for some reason, has to claim part of the gift <laughs> but Catwoman doesn't. She's like, oh, it's from your father. There you go. I, it speaks to... It's, just a nice, it's a nice little moment. It speaks to the confidence of each character, or, or at least the like the level of confidence in each character. Like, uh, his Batman is historically unable to actually emotionally connect with people, including his own children and wards. So latching on to something that she enjoys just seems like a real honest thing, whereas Catwoman is just like, yeah, it's his, man. That's fine. Uh, like yeah. it doesn't hurt my she's feelings. She's not too into like giving it more. It's sword, fine. Right? Yeah, she's just like, hey, it's for you. If you like it, that's fantastic. I don't need to take credit. It's great. Um, Mars comic says, uh, "I have a lightsaber." Nice. Someone. It, it, it is nine thirty at night, and someone is tapping on my window. Do they have a lightsaber? I'll be right back. Right. Well, I, comics. Which lightsaber is it? I, like just uh, say it's closed. No, thank you. <clears throat> he just went to turn the lights off. All right. Sorry. Um. Uh. Yeah. So no, I, I really like this book. It was um, is very much a part of the overall story that that has been being told, but it also just kind of reads standalone as as just this kind of span of their of their relationship, or yeah, or so more so just like her origin. Gotten, like how far have they gotten into her? Uh, future like you know we see what we see at the end here have you seen um, that scene before no 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 um okay. we we're only up to again the story is not told in any kind of linear fashion it's three separate time frames timelines or time frames not timelines time frames that are happening uh, concurrently um in the most advanced one is the one where she offed the joker and um okay which happens in the first issue. It's not a spoiler. Yeah. Back off. Um, and <laughs> what's been happening is the ramifications of that because she was eventually kind of found out and her, her daughter is, wants her to turn herself in. The commissioner of, the, of, of GCPD, who is Richard Grayson, um, also is trying to arrest her, and it's just it's it's kind of progressing as almost just like a fugitive kind like of story on that end. So it's not her even twenty years older, elderly oh, being right, 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 steward right, 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 of yeah, like this is that was yeah, like, um, that maybe was, like um, 75, 85 like year old uh, Selena. Uh, We're still yeah. in 55, 60 tops. Oh, and Bruce is already dead. Yeah, he died. He died of cancer. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make a, a point of it in the first issue. He he passed away because um, of Dr. Phosphorus. Oh, is that mm, right? I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, so he, he painted it. They, they touch on it here, uh, chemo yeah. sickness. Yeah. They do. I didn't know what that was all about. He's just like, he just says Dr. Phosphorus mm -hmm. as he's coughing. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I w despite the three issues of Liam Sharp art, and I know a lot of people really love Liam Sharp, it just has to do with the fact that he was the 
absolute wrong choice in regards to layout and pacing as a film artist. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still one of my favorite issues or my favorite um, series going on right now. It's very, very strong. Nice. Is it? Okay. All right. I just have such trouble um, picturing Liam, Sh- like picturing the book being this good with a different artist. The first, with that specific artist, actually. The first Liam Sharp issue is not bad because I think he was working from Clayman breakdowns. The second one is a little wonky. The third one is just straight Grant Morrison style ephemeral shit. And then it's coming back. Doesn't seem right for this. No, doesn't seem right for this book at all. It's yeah. not the. It's it's not even the artist. It's so much as it's just it was the worst match yeah. for yeah. this 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 book. Yeah. Mm. Now at the end of this book is a very nice uh, Jean Paul Leon um, tribute um, memoriam tribute tribute. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, which this is a nice cover. I would have liked to have seen this cover. This is cool. Um, but yeah, there's like. Um, some of his other comics, some of his Batman-related comics that he did back in the day, some tributes from other artists, Becky Cloonan, and um, uh, Klaus Janssen, Rick Leonardi, Chris Batista. I like this Danny one. is very nice. There's a couple of um, essays, too, one from Michael Davis and one from... What was the second one? Michael Davis of Milestone. And the second... Uh, I don't remember. You should be coming up to it soon. Um, trying to find it. You passed it already. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. Sorry. Kurt Busey. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and there's a question story that was drawn by him as well. Hmm. It's um, So, yeah, it's very cool. It's a nice, perfect bound book. I, I very much enjoyed it. Nice. Glad to hear. Oh, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, the reason I thought of this is you brought up Clay Man, and this here is the Clay Man tribute. Mm-hmm. It's very unlike Clay Man. This is very cool. It's very much in the in the style of, um, or an approximation of the style of Jean-Paul Leon. Very cool. Very nice little image here. I like this a lot. Mm. So, all right, let's move on to Avengers Forever number two. Written by Jason Aaron with art by Aaron Cooter. Vengeance in the Wasteland. On an alternate Earth ravaged by the multiversal Masters of Evil... Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes has been taken prisoner by the planet's dark waste lords, the brutal war machines. And what the rider endures at the hands at their hands will change him forever into the most unbridled force for vengeance any universe has ever seen. That's unless Ant-Man, Tony Stark, and his bunch of ragtag heroes can pull off the mother of all rescues. No. Yeah. Tell us, go. Um, You've been keeping up with uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers. Yeah. You're the big Avengers guy right so, now. So. so before I tell you much, I, I love this this series of books. Um, there is like... Mm, so you know how people complain about how like, ah, the comics are just... They're just mimicking what's in the movies now and it's no originality and blah, blah, blah. We're going to change designs in this. Like, it's just all fodder for the movies. After 50-something issues of Avengers and now this new Avengers Forever um, series, I feel like Jason Aaron took that those comments in and is doing everything he possibly can to make something that is not possibly ad- adaptable in any other medium. <laughs> he has gone full comics stupidity, and I mean that in like the highest 
compliment. Like he just keeps one upping the ridiculous nature of everything. And he, he approaches it in such an earnest way that you just can't be, you can't help but just be like, this is so stupid. I love it. Like again, celestials, vampires, star brand, brood, Conchi or Conchu, um, fucking craziness. And now it's like, well, I guess we'll just do the multiversal, uh, villains of doom and have the all writer and all Avengers prime of the multiverse sending out death locks, like messages in a bottle to other universes. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. I, yeah, I, I, I love this. I, I love the I love this cause it's hard to explain. It's so in the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of what I, I, Jason Aaron brings to his work is this sort of, um, enthusiasm uh i i love i just love reading jason aaron stuff because it reminds me of reading comics when i was a kid uh and how fun they were without taking themselves too seriously mm-hmm. uh, and i i've seen that a lot of people online hate this book uh hate avengers because of that whereas you know what do you what do you always say it's a it's a gosh it's not a bug it's a oh feature. it's a feature, it's a feature not, not a bug. bug yeah 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 so I think this is delightful. This is fun. I'm glad I, I caught up on this. I read Avengers Forever 1 and 2. And uh, it's this whole issue is Ghost Rider getting tortured. Yeah. Robbie Reyes getting tortured. Have, having his... Uh, it, took, it took the Black Skull eight days to saw off his leg. And now, he has, now he's just missing a leg. Can you describe what the Black Skull is? Uh, oh, the black. From what I, from what I understand, the black skull is just the red skull with a symbiote. With both symbiotes, I believe. Oh yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's he, got carnage yeah, and venom. He's just he's like symbiote prime, just nasty fuck. I love this. I didn't I realize this. that he was both symbiotes. Yeah, because uh, there's a. I, I think they established it in the last issue, but still, it's just like okay. Uh, they. They go out of their way, or at least Jason Aaron goes out of his way to like make it just that much more nasty and that much. It really is like a couple of kids bouncing, escalating ideas off of each other. Like, well, what if you had the symbiote? Well, what if you had both symbiotes? Well, what if you did? Like, it's that's literally how these books go. And I just, I'm, I'm falling for it constantly. Even like those roaches and stuff, where we're all symbiote roaches and symbiote ants that were uh, mm-hmm. permeating all over like the compound. This is so stupid. I love it. I love it. Yeah, when I saw how the symbiotes were colored, uh, when we saw them much earlier, I was like, there's something, something weird about those roaches. <laughs> and there was. And I really liked the end, too, with um, Tony Stark. Although, that was brutal. Uh, I, the, when, when he finally breaks, when Robbie Reyes finally breaks um, and murders all the other Robbie Reyeses without oh, yeah. even realizing he was doing it. Wait. Um, mm. He didn't murder any, did he? Yeah. No, they all murdered each other. Once I can bring myself to move, once I can bring myself to move, I try to take them down without hurting them. Um, and then, and then it cuts to he's the last one alive. How did the last Robbie Reyes die? Oh, I, I thought that he was trying to stop them all from viciously murdering each other, and he couldn't even get that done no i i think he thought he was and he was murdering all of them because he snapped cool Um, because he even says it even deathlock says he finally did it he broke you and then he's he thinks to himself no i did it to myself 
So I, that's the way I took it is like he murdered all the other Robbie Reyes is while in his head, he was helping them. Oh, okay. Either way, it works for me. Which is to me brutal. Yeah. yeah. What'd you think, Brian? It was fine. It was, uh, yeah. it was like, a, yeah, it was a multiverse story. This guy is that guy, you know, Tony Stark is Ant-Man <laughs> instead of Iron Man. Um, that was cool. You know, that stuff's always fun. Um, yeah, yeah. The, this guy is that guy. <laughs> that sums it up. Um, uh, I just noticed upon looking at it now that uh, Robbie Reyes is using his chains yeah. as like a, like a, that's pretty cool. And his, yeah, That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And his goblin, like the fact that the goblin was, it was like a ghost rider goblin kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. His it, Jason Aaron's bombasticity doesn't really grab me, honestly. Like, yeah, I just for whatever reason, I'm just like, all right, you know, it goes. This one was all right. The, the, sometimes I'm like, I don't like this at all. But uh, yeah, like it was, it was a cool side story kind of thing, I guess. Um, I yeah, I'm, I have I'm no. Glad I- you guys liked it though. I have no idea what the plans are for this series because I I originally thought that this was going to take over Avengers, but that book is still going on its own trajectory that's kind of parallel with this, but not really. Um, so I, I imagine this is something along the lines of how, I guess, Avengers and New Avengers or like having complementary books that are telling a different story but will eventually merge mm. or kind of meet each other. Yeah. So, you know, I'm here for okay. it. There and this is this has something to do with like the universe's multiverse's greatest Avenger or the one true Avenger or something like that. Oh, um, uh, the Avenger Prime. Avenger Prime. Avenger it's not. Prime. It's That's not it the one true Avenger or any kind of prophecy like that. It's the fact that like at the at the God Quarry at the nexus of all realities, there are mm. Avengers from across. Um, from across the multiverse, they kind of either get displaced or their worlds get destroyed and they kind of collect there. And this Avenger Prime is the one that just kind of brings them all together and tasks them out. Uh-huh. So it's not like a prophecy so much as just like a hierarchy that happened. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder who he is, who? right? Cap or I, I, Iron Man? It, or, it, could be, it could be any version of Cap, any version of Iron Man, any version of T'Challa, any version of... They've, sh- they've yeah. only shown this person in silhouette, so it very well could be female um, or alien. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm down. I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm along for the ride. Could be Moon Knight. I don't fucking know. Yeah. 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 Could be Bug. Yeah, I... I, I I kind of assumed uh, that would be your response, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to rain on your guys' parade. Oh, yeah. No, this was was created in a lab to not really appeal to you at all. I think so, yeah. 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 Um, Uh, Oh, speaking of which, uh, Peacemaker. Speaking of things that appeal to me. I like that one. Yeah. Ah, fuck, really? Peacemaker, Disturbing the Peace, number one, DC Comics, Garth Ennis and Gary Brown. Long before joining the Suicide Squad, Christopher Smith, codenamed Peacemaker, meets with a psychiatrist, a woman dangerously obsessed with his bizarre and violent past. From his tragic childhood to his military service overseas to his multiple missions with special forces, Smith has more than his share of skeletons in the closet. But who's actually analyzing whom? And will this trip down memory lane result in yet more fatalities? Ah, uh, all right. No, so I saw Peacemaker. I've been enjoying the show. 
And I, yeah. I thought, oh, maybe this will be interesting. And um, it's Garth Ennis. I, I used to like Garth Ennis quite a bit. Um, I sort of have fallen off the Garth Ennis wagon over the past 10 years. I just find his stuff less and less, less interesting. Mm. And that applies here, I think. Mm. There's nothing here that was particularly shocking or overly interesting. I don't, the art was, woo boy. Ah, I'm sorry, I just opened up the page. I'm looking at this art and I really don't like it. Hmm. Boy, howdy, do I not like this artwork. Uh, it's fine, it's serviceable. Um, but it's more of Garth Ennis's over-the-top bad dialogue, um, just gross for gross sake, or violent for violence sake. Um, I don't care about this character. This is the first time I've ever read this character in a comic book. I, I, I've never read him before. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, when I was done, I was like, oh, good, that's over. I'm, I can move on to something better, like Batman Catwoman, maybe. And what did you think? Brian, you liked it. I did like it, actually. Um, I like the art. It's not my favorite style of art, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I kind of like this style of art for some stories, and this is the kind of story that I think it works for. Um, I, too, am watching The Peacemaker Show that I like a lot more than I like this comic. You know, that's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever read Peacemaker. I'm sure he's shown up in some comic or other that I've read, uh, especially in, what, like the late 80s or early 90s. And I wonder how much his characterization is influenced by the comedian who is based on Peacemaker, you know? And that the comedian is this over-the-top, terrible person, and I wonder if that has informed more modern Peacemaker stories. I don't know, because I don't know what his deal was. Uh, I doubt he was this bad back in the day, you know? Also, too, comparing the, the James Gunn Peacemaker to literally anything else from before is like folly. They they, right. they just oh, yeah. have the same right. costume. Right, right. Yeah, I never assumed that they were actually, that there was anything like the actual character. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, while I'm looking at this, reading this, I just kept thinking Frank Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I kind of like the... The twist, and again, we see it's, I, I like the uh, storytelling atmosphere of like these two people sitting on a bench and telling the story, and then it turns out he's got the upper hand all along, you know, he knows exactly what she's there for, and she's uncovered this secret of his. I thought the secret that she uncovered was interesting, um, and uh, how by the end of it, it's like, she's thinking about turning him in and that he won't, you know, he'll go to jail or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 this is all, (laughs) this is all sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of here, but I'm not going to kill you. You're a nice person, but you're not going to get your way. Um, Yeah. I thought it was, I did like, I I did like the revelation of peace. Yeah. Offering how he defines peace. Like the final, the final panel of this page is great. Hmm. Yeah, they're all at peace. No, what'd you think? Um, I really liked it. Yeah. I liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, it did It did give mm. me Garth Ennis on Punisher vibes, but in the DC universe. Um, you mentioned that it's, you know, over the top. This is actually, like, from my perspective, this is incredibly subdued for Garth Ennis when he decides to go over the no. top. There's no, there's no, like, scat porn jokes or uh, <laughs> incest or... Like, everyone looks like a popped zit. Like, this was actually incredibly subdued for his shit, um, which I appreciated. Um, 
And I, 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 I found it engrossing. Did it, was it revolutionary? No. Um, did I, uh, learn something wildly new about this version of the character? Not really. Like I kind of, you kind of knew where it was going when they set up the narrative structure. Like if it's going to be two people on a bench and we do flashbacks and there's going to be a revelation by the middle and then it's going to be twisted by the third. Like it's, yeah. it's a very by the numbers kind of safe structure. Yeah. But I, Did you see I, the revelation I, itself coming though? Uh, yeah. When it, like the only thing I wasn't sure about was if he was going to be the one who has, who actually did kill his parents or not like that. That's the only thing I wasn't no, sure right. if they were going to like reveal or not. But everything else was going to be like, he did it for this, or he was asked. Yeah, I knew like, he killed everybody stuff. else. Yeah. yeah, the only thing that I wasn't yeah. sure about was the, his family, um, which I'm glad Same. he didn't. Same. However, that did define his uh, understanding of peace. Yeah, if um, he had, that would have been because that's like his transformative incident. Otherwise, he would have been this like. He's a super child psycho. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I did. I liked this more than I thought I would. I, I, I read it almost like as a, well, you know, it's a big show. I, let's power through mm. and see if it's worth talking about. And then I found myself just reading it all the way through and being like, this is actually pretty, it's pretty strong. It's not bad. Interesting yeah. choice. Mars Comics them, is in the, oh. Uh, Mars Comics is in the chat saying she liked it. Nice. Nice. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder that they didn't go for one that is more tonally similar to, yeah. you know, that they're not turning Peacemaker into that in the comics. Like you were saying, though. No. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad yeah. they did. And yeah, I, yeah. from what I understand, too, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, somebody had mentioned it in the in the current Suicide Squad comic. Apparently, he's more closer to this version of the characterization, like the more, mm. you know, John Ostrander version, and that it's a pretty decent book. Maybe someday I'll go back and read it. Nice. Like he's just same guy, not tongue in cheek. Yeah, in some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, speaking of things going, you know, changing with uh, with whatever outside media. I remember that going all the way back at least to the John Wesley Ship Flash show. That's when they changed Wally West costume, um, and they they always do that. You know, they always have yeah, whatever course. thing is going on in the media. They change it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like yeah. whenever something is changed. We should freak the fuck out, yeah. be as loud as humanly possible, <laughs> and pretend yeah. like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to any of us. Because why is it not only for me? I feel like that's the I most like rational to way to go. Death threats. Death threat. You know what? Yeah. Haven't tried it. Death threats. That's are cool. probably. It's probably makes it work. Not boycotts. They're great. Death threats. Nope. Death threats. Yeah. To unrelated uh, people. Yeah. If you want to email us death threats, you can do so at coltspopgo at gmail.com. You can help the show out uh, by going to patreon.com slash johnnydestructo. You can, if you don't have any money and you don't want to email us death threats, you can tell friends about it. Invite your friends over and have a big watch, big watch, that sounds horrible. Have a big watch party where you watch us talk about comics. Uh, don't do that. That sounds like no fun at all. Um, but if you're bored on Monday nights at, at 9 o'clock, come hang out with us and talk about we comic books because that's we what we like to do. We went from watch party to if you're bored, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. you're Yeah, if you're struggling to stay alive uh, on a respirator. We're sorry for and, doing this podcast. <laughs> if, you're struggling to stay, if you're struggling to stay awake, we'll fix that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um. Uh, I guess that's it. Anything else? Um, 
about in in the promo block anyone want to add anything in the promo block of the show no just okay. like comment subscribe let's, get, let's go let's yeah oh yeah that's that's what i forgot like comment subscribe um they would not have done uh, it otherwise thunder rounds thunder rounds thunder. ah someone give me 60 seconds i'm gonna be first up i suppose uh oh wait yeah i'll go first Saga number 55 from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Fiona Staples. At long last, Hazel and her star-crossed family are finally back. But where the hell have they been? Let me know when you're ready, Noel. And go. All right. So Saga number 55. Saga is back. I finally got caught up two days after the book came out, after number 55 came out, and I thought I should catch up. So I read the last two volumes. I'm all caught up. I got sad as shit, uh, but I was primed and ready for issue number 55, and I dove into that shit face first, and I loved it. It was awesome. Oh, man, what a great... You know, there was there was a period there where I was reading, I was catching up on Saga, and I thought, do I really care about this? Is this, is this losing me? Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, dwindling. Turns out, no. Turns out I still love this book. The art is amazing by Fiona Staples. The art is always engaging by Brian K. Vaughn. I love this book up and down and sideways. Highly recommend it. I'm not going to tell you anything that happened in this issue. I'm just going to tell you that you should read it because it's great. And if you haven't read Saga, you should read Saga. Saga itself is one of the best books on the shelf. It's been gone for three years. It's time to get into it now. End of round. Thank you. Um, I, oh. <laughs> I, uh, I am on issue 26 of Saga and it's fun. So in yeah. about five years, I'll be up to issue 56 or 55 and I'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh, Mars says, great job. Thank you, Mars. Dan H says, need to reread Saga. Agreed. Uh, and Mars, my favorite comment of the night. My laugh just interrupted my yawn. Excellent. <laughs> That's a, I like that. All right, who's up next for the thunder round? Uh, do you want to go? Yes. That's Detective Great. Comics 1050. Yes. This is, just, just so you're aware, perhaps the longest solicitation I've ever copy-pasted. Enjoy. Oh, I'm going to read it. Yeah. All right, so Detective Comics 1050, DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki, Matt Rosenberg, and Mark Wade, with Yvonne Rice, Fed, Fernando Blanco, and Dan Mora on art. It's the landmark, oversized issue, Detective Comics number 1050, and some of the biggest names in comics are here to celebrate the Dark Knight. First up in The Tower, Part 4, the villainous force keeping Arkham's Tower's patience sedated is at last revealed. And this villain's return is guaranteed to catch you by surprise. It didn't, I guessed it. It's the dramatic conclusion to Act 1 of Mariko Tamaki's Arkham Tower epic brought to life by the legendary Ivan Reese. Then, in House of Gotham Part 4... If you know what, forget it. Um, oh, there's come more, on, there's, there's a so bunch much of more. <laughs> it's too long. I give up. <laughs> I it's it's going to be longer than the Thunder Round itself. Thunder Brian? Round. Quitter. Yes. 60 seconds on the clock. And go. go. Yes. The landmark 1,050th issue. Um, not, a, not an issue that most people would count as a landmark, but it ends in a zero, <laughs> and it's kind of a round number. So uh, I thought it was pretty good. The art is amazing. Um, what else? The... Uh, 
yeah, it, it picked up the pace of the story. It's cool. It is in this kind of um, uh, time, I don't know, time flashes around kind of type of story. I didn't realize that Dick and Helena were in a relationship. And I did not see the, the villain reveal coming, although it makes sense. I like that particular villain. Um, it, you know, he's always fun when he shows up. Uh, but I am still a little disappointed that it's all a con. <laughs> it's not like, oh, we were trying to do something. Not because it's not a weapon. End of round. End of round. round. Shut up, Brian. Uh, I read this. Did you? You read this too. Uh, do you want to talk about it for oh, like I two seconds? It. Yeah. I've I've I have found this detective run by Mariko Tamaki to be delightful. Yeah. Um, and I figured out who the the big bad was uh, in this issue, not because I'm smart, hmm. but because they showed us a silhouette of the character, and I went, I know who that is. Did they? Oh. In and this then at issue the end, they revealed issue? it. Oh, in this issue, I saw oh. the. I mean, they also solicited the covers, so. Uh, oh, I didn't. He's on the fucking cover of the next those. issue. Like I didn't even think about it. Is he? Yeah. Oh. Um, so I, I was liking this, but I think I'm a little bored of it. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, the also too. By the way, Helena, Helena, and Dick are not currently in a relationship. They were in a relationship. So like, it was just ri- uh-huh. it was it was just written weirdly. I got you. He's with Bad. Yeah, I didn't right think now. they were in a relationship. They were okay. before. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't take that to ago. mean yeah. that they were, though, or that they are. But yeah. when he says it, the tenses, and that's what made me fall for her. Like, it, they didn't finish the thought in his voiceover. Right. So it's like, mm. huh? Um, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like we're. This is a 12 issue story, and we're at issue four, and it already starts, to me, it's starting to feel like we're like twiddling thumbs. Yeah, like. I don't know. Twiddling I, wheels. Tw- Spinning thumbs. Twiddling wheels. That's what we're doing. Twiddling wheels. They, they're, <laughs> twiddle the wheel. they're meant to roll and we're twiddling them. Who's got a clock? Uh, I'm, I'm next. I'm uh, Brian, I hope you do because I don't. What? I can't clock myself. Uh, you know what? I guess I can. Yeah, I do. Hold on. Give me a second. You got it? Uh, <laughs> one minute um, on the clock. No, what are you doing? I'm doing the 10 deaths of Wolverine number one sequel to second issue, first issue of the second series <laughs> in the Cracker Jack uh, blockbuster event. 10 lives, 10 deaths of Wolverine coming out weekly. Uh, yeah. 10 lives of Weapon Death X. is not the end. Yeah. Death is the Omega, week two. If Wolverine's future lies in the past, what does that mean for the present? All right, 60 seconds is going on the clock. Bablamo, go. Okay, so um, I think it's a fun idea to have conjoining-ish like series. They did it with Hawks, House of X, Powers of Ten. So now it's the Ten Lives of Wolverine and the Ten Deaths of Wolverine, one through five each coming out on a weekly basis. It's... It's a gimmick. It's cool. Um, so I thought that they were just going to kind of just be number one, number two, number three, number four, but like different numbered. Um, this was a completely different book. The Wolverine wasn't in it at all. Like he was only in like two pages. Uh, and it actually ended up being kind of like a backdoor Moira uh, series or just issue. Mm-hmm. It picks up immediately after Inferno number four. And you follow the almost like breakneck pace 
escape of Moira. These two guys haven't read it yet, so I'm not going to actually say what happens to her, but it's actually pretty thrilling and it's pretty awesome. And End of round. It is the end of round sound. End of round sound? That's... Because you... uh, Because you... Because you told me that, Noel, because you told me it was a Moira, like a thing that happens after... It spoils Inferno. Yeah. So I didn't bother reading it because you said it was going to spoil Inferno. And I am way more invested in Inferno than I am... The ten deaths of Wolverine. That is the exact reason that I did not read it. So the way that and I don't want to, I don't want to miss and misinterpret how Inferno ends. It makes it sound like I'm talking about it being like a fucking Hmm. surprise. It's it's kind of Mm -hmm. not a surprise, but it's it's more so impressive in how Hickman, over the course of like three years, set up a couple of little plot points. And they all just uh-huh. wrapped up really, really nice in a in a Moira story in Inferno. So it's not like a you know peels the mask off crazy reveal. It's more like oh that's fucking cool. That's really really cool. And and uh, so I don't want you guys to think that there's like a oh I guessed it. Like it's not that kind of like spoiler. It's more of like a nice big bow wrapped on the whole thing. And it's really it's really really cool. I liked it a lot. Nice. Um, Hal is in the uh, comments saying, well, no more Monday night football, so I guess I'll watch you guys before work, LOL. Excellent. I'm glad we could be your runner-up. It's the NFL, bro. Uh, Let's let's talk about (laughs) sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. That's not appropriate. Let's talk about all the good things and the death. We're talking about two best friends. One's a minor. That's, we can talk about two sex. best friends. They <laughs> might fuck. One's a minor. Which part of that did you not get? Oh. Yeah. Oops. Whoops. Well, I mean, that- they're just having sex together. I didn't think it was about the characters of the book. Only we were just one's a minor. Sex. Only one. John is eighteen. Fifty-fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and his being eighteen is. Yeah. Is kind of weird, right? Like, how is he eighteen? Is he did he live through eighteen years? He did. That's a separate yes. question. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when he was ten years old, yeah. he uh, wound up going to outer space with his grandpa Jor El, and wound up being trapped on Earth three, Earth three. where Ultraman, the, that that version of Superman, the evil version of Superman. Uh, tortured him for eight years. Also, oh, shit. also, oh, I didn't realize. I thought he was just out traveling with Jor-El. Also, Superwoman. Well, it's it's a bit of both. So he wasn't tortured. He was eight. He wasn't tortured for ten long years. He was out with Jor-El. The further they got, the time thing. But then, about half of that, he was captured on Earth three. So, like yeah. maybe three to like four trapped years in a volcano. Yeah, like three to yeah. four years. Like so, he couldn't fly out because the way that the gravity was and sure. all kinds of shit. But I loved that arc. That was such a good arc. It was essentially uh, the whole thing was a uh, almost like um, a proof positive that they raised their their tent or their eight year old correctly because he never forgot his values while being tortured by doppelgangers oh. of his parents. I was like this is do- yeah, this is dope. Yeah, hmm, that's yeah. nice. Um, so uh, a lot of the people, a lot of fans have been having trouble because they enjoyed Super Sons so much. The Super Sons, Challenge of the Super Sons, etc. Because Clark, I'm sorry, John 
Kent and Damian Wayne were about the same age and they were buddies and they were hanging out and going on adventures and whatnot. And it was delightful. It was great. Uh, the, the, the writer of that, the creator of the Super Sons, Tom, uh, Peter J. Tomasi, is back with this Robin and Superman, Superman and Robin special. And so we've got the regular, uh, still the same age Robin hanging out with 18-year-old John Kent. And it's still pretty cute. Um, I, I wanted to like this more than I did. Uh, because I like the Super Sons, I was excited for this. And I found it just fine. Um, there were some... Some flaws, I think, or I don't know what to call them. I just things that made me sort of like do a head tilt, like, ugh. Um, and I think it has to do with the dialogue. Some of J Peter J. Tomasi's dialogue was weird in this, and I'm not, it's not usually this way. It was just strange for me. Um, uh, I should have taken notes so I could remember exactly what it was, but I feel like they were saying a thing that they just did, even though we just saw them do it. And they were explaining things that needn't didn't need to be explained. It's it's hard to it's hard to the, quantify. We have the the characters have changed, both of them. So Damien yeah. is now canonically thirteen because uh, they made a big deal about him being able to join the Teen Titans, and yeah. John is eighteen. There's he is still writing them like they are precarious eight and ten year olds. Yeah, and it's. It's, it, I don't know, uh, maybe, I think maybe the word is, it seems disingenuous. It seems like it's just a story that he had in the, you know, in the, in the bank and then just kind of like, you know, slapped it over the current versions of them as opposed to kind of um, show that kind of just, they don't have to be adults because they're not, but there's, I read Super Sons, all of it, and I, it's one of my favorite books. It's fantastic. But I was hoping that there would at least be some sort of evolution of the characters a little bit. This reads exactly like the, you know, lost stories of the Super Sons that they were doing last year, where it's just they're eight and ten and that's that. I was kind of hoping I was also hoping for a little bit more clear friction because Damien was older. He was smarter. He is smarter. He was older, and he kind of bossed John around. Now John is quite stronger and has lived longer, but mm. the dynamic in Damien's mind hasn't changed. I kind of wanted to see that. I want to see that. And Tomasi didn't really touch it at all. He just wrote them like they were kids. Here's what it was. Um, there's they, they run into this creature that is aging exponentially. And there are several times where this thing just grew a foot while chasing you. Yeah, man, we know. Like, you already said that. Oh, man, it just got bigger in the time it took me to say that it just got bigger. It got bigger again. Like, bro, we get it. Relax. We know. You, you've, you've told us what's happening with this creature. You don't have to keep telling us. It's like a YA or, or it's, like, a, like an all ages. It's even bigger. Yeah. It, it's even bigger, dot, dot, dot. Damien goes, it grew while it fell. Yeah, we know. Shut up. That's what it was. I think that's what kept kept bothering me. I'm like, you don't have to keep telling me the thing's growing. I get it. Also, that's what the artwork's there for. Yeah. Although, it, although the artwork didn't very clearly show it, I thought. Yeah. 
you know, especially in the beginning, I was like, I, is it crow? Although I did like how they said, uh, Damien's like an older by the second, huh? And he's like exponentially by the second. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not the way that we are all getting older by the second. I like that. Um, I also like, I, th- I think it's dope looking. Why did John put on a mech suit? Yeah, I wondered that as well. There's no particular reason no. other than <laughs> to have two of them. Yeah, like, yeah. why did John put on a mech suit? I, I, I yeah. didn't get If anything, that hinders yeah. his abilities. He's, he's Superman. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. You're right. It's more of a hindrance. This, there, <laughs> it's just, it, this... I, I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a, um, a cognitive kind of dissonance that I have. Like all of these beats would have worked better if I was reading a story about an eight and a ten year old. Mm. But yeah. them being thirteen and eighteen, it just almost feels dumbed down. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if it yes. was the exact same dialogue, the exact same beats, the exact same art, it just it just feels in this context dumbed down. Like they've grown not at all. So I actually liked it. Um, I thought it was like a, you know, a pretty light side story kind of thing, but as it was always expected to be. Um, and I enjoyed seeing the two of them. I never read the Super Sons or any of that stuff, um, but I thought it was cool to have them mixing it up together. Uh, oh, at one point, uh, John Kent says it's time to take the kid gloves off, which he speaks, I assume, in his head with only one D rather than K-I-D-D, which it uh, originally is. Um, yes, it is kid as in, like, the young lamb, I think is is what a kid is, or a sheep or something. It's leather made from that, which is very soft and fine, and you don't want to use it for, like, doing stuff that is, uh, like, rough or hard, so you take oh. them off. Uh, when you really See, get I thought into it was it. you put on yeah. your kid gloves when yeah. you're beating a child. Yeah. And then when you have to Not beat to something that's that's older than a child, you take the gloves. Time to take the kids' gloves, gloves off, off so I can punch this adult. Right. <laughs> uh, or soft hands, like kid gloves, soft hands. <laughs> um, or, but then again, I do have special gloves I put on to beat children. Yeah. I'm. You know what? I'm glad that I'm glad that now I know the the origin but i also i kind of hate that i now know that well it's one of those things like (laughs) yeah like it also makes sense with the other understanding you know like the kid gloves are coming off i'm getting serious i'm the gloves that i wear signifying my childhood nature are coming it's like card shark rather than card sharp card shark also works you know that makes sense too so that's Wait, why card shark versus what sharp card sharp, which is the earlier formulation yeah. of that. He's a yeah. card sharp. Yeah, he's a card yeah. sharp. Sharp at cards. And then card yeah. shark. If you home in on something rather than also, hone uh, in, also it's just yeah. a predatory nature. It's an apex predator. Uh, right. Yeah. Like he's he's at cards and he's screwing you over. He's a card hey, shark. Lang- <laughs> yeah. Language evolves and it's a wonderful, fascinating thing. Uh, yeah. Brian, you would you would I, I think you would absolutely enjoy Super Sons. Like a hundred percent. You yeah. like I mean, you should read it. Yeah. yeah. JD, can you pick that should. up for him? Like, can you? <laughs> Like no, for real though. Like it, 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 it espouses all of the things that you enjoy about comics, especially in regards to the DC universe. Like it essentially is uh, two preteens kind of tour of the DC universe, and it's 
wonderful. Well, that's one thing that I liked about this book was like the mini tour of things in the fortress. If you, you know? if you liked this, yeah. that yeah. the original series will be like high literature compared to. Yeah. And I like the deep uh, legacy and connections in the DC universe. Like I like how they, I mean the Marvel universe too, but um, you know, people that know each other that have this history and, and they talk about the history, which is seen in a particular way with the, younger characters imagine it also being worked out through their collective parents and that's super sense nice it's wonderful it's a great series yeah did you notice how they use successive asterisks as were you guys looking for the other asterisks no there's because he's got like one then a two asterisk and then a three asterisk right underneath it which usually signifies Three Multiple. different things within that page. Well, there was, in and the, he's uh, just doing it as like coming, like I'm going to say another comment. You know, I mean, isn't it the same thing? A, a double well, asterisk. The, or a, the two and three don't relate to any two and three asterisk notations in the, on that page anywhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know what I mean? I don't. I didn't. I don't care. Oh a baby. Damn, the kid gestated and the creature gave birth in the time it took us to put down the Nazis. That was kind of cruel too, right? They're just like, all right, turn around, humans from Earth, back into the portal. <laughs> it was all it was all kind of weird. Like, I, I don't know why, too, like when the Nazis showed up, I was like, this is just awkward. Like, yeah. eh, this is weird. I also, this sort of thing rubs me the wrong way when it comes to art and you are drawing your two characters in a pose that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Superman is, or super, yeah, Superman is there flying and then Robin is (laughs) tripping, running, but he's on the, he's on the, he's on the top of a, where's, I don't. (laughs) He's jumping off a rock. (laughs) I, you know what? Yeah. I will tell you one of the best parts of this entire series or this entire issue um, is uh, like a, a quarter panel joke of um, in their mech suits, Robin waving. It's like, are you waving goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. just a full splayed hand wave. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. That's the yeah. best part oh, of yeah, the series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Far right. Hey, are you so waving goodbye? Speaking of his mech suit. <laughs> They are, and JD's comment, they are walking away from the mech suits that presumably Damien should take home with him, right? Like, is he going to leave that at the Fortress of Solitude? I, uh, they, just, they just went to go run off this little ice rock. Yeah, there. I let me go I, run off that thing. I, <laughs> I wish I could defend the nitpicking, but I can't because I, I just wanted to like this a lot more. Yeah. Huh. Same. I mean, I still liked it. Thor number, I liked it. Oh. Well, Thor number 21, Marvel (laughs) Comics, written by Donny Cates and art by Nick Klein. Thor has been beaten down and the God of Hammers is about to make the final blow. Is this the end of the All-Father? Prophecies do come true after all, but not always in the ways they are foreseen. For there is one last chance to save Thor, but at what cost? Plus, the shocking origin of the mysterious God of Hammers is revealed. So, uh, Donny Cates is... Thor run has been a bucket of bucket of happy times for me. This has been so much fun. Really enjoying this uh, run. And uh, this is more of that. Basically, it does remind me a little bit of Joss Whedon's X-Men, where danger comes to life and 
tries to kill the X-Men. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I know we just talked about this last time it came out, but, um, Nolan and I are at least enjoying it so much that we wanted to talk about it again. Brian, you probably didn't give a shit. What'd you think, buddy? Um, there were, there were some parts of it that were cool that I, okay. but I mean, you're not wrong. I also felt basically the way that I did about the last issue. However, I was happy to learn from a narrative point of view that Mjolnir was not like soured over time or grew resentful of Thor or whatever, because I realized that, you know, Marvel has for since civil war, I guess in turn made all of their major characters evil or villainous or bad in some way. Right. I think it was so successful with Tony Stark being a bit of a jerk and being on the wrong side of that, that then Reed Richards and Charles Xavier started being characterized as jerks. There was World War Hulk. Um, Captain America was Hydra Cap. Um, who else? Spider-Man was Doc Doc. Doc Ock took over as Spider-Man for a while. Hey, shit. You know, uh, Daredevil. Doctor Strange lost the Sorcerer Supreme. Oh, wait, no. What happened with him? Dare- no, Daredevil yeah. went Shadow- bad. Shadowland. Shadowland. Yeah. Fuck, you're right. There you yep. Go. yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange lost the Sorcerer Supreme because he made a deal with the demon. That was like the lightest one. Pun- Thor was, uh, was dead at the time, so he didn't do anything. Punisher. Punisher didn't have far to go. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he has, Punisher and Deadpool have been wildly consistent. <laughs> Just. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> good examples. <laughs> Silver, uh, so, Silver Surfer, also wildly uh, just yeah, in it. Silver Surfer has still been good. Uh, Thor, um, Thor never went bad. So that's the thing. He, yeah. uh, he was, there was a Ragnarok had just happened at the time, and he didn't go through that cycle. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, I just think it, that's an interesting facet of Marvel history, uh, and I wonder why that is and why that's been successful or, or done. And so the last two arcs have featured, you know, Donald Blake went crazy, and now Mjolnir is the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same caliber of it, but it's like, oh, who are we going to I- turn bad now? I'm not these I, side things. I, yeah. There's a pattern in his storytelling, especially uh, almost more so in Thor than was with Venom. He's got this thematic kind of obsession with the the allies or the tools or the friends that we neglect become what um, you know yeah. destroy us or or uh, you know we're up against. Right? I why he's so interested in that? Uh, well, I think it's I think it's fascinating in a in a um, just a conflict like relationship when you're when you're alive for hundreds of thousands of years, relationships evolve and change. I am glad that it wasn't just Mjolnir got pissed. Um, yeah. To, yeah. To to kind of spoil it, um, previously Mangog was thrown into the sun along with so many other things that we didn't know how to destroy were just thrown into the sun. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the greatest yeah. fallacies in comics. That yeah. They're like, we can get rid of this. I'll go toss it in the sun. I'll no, no, see no, you no. in five. Um, <laughs> the sun's so, like right there. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Mjolnir was destroyed in the sun at the end of uh, Jane Foster's uh, when while killing Mangog was into the sun. Um, and then Thor reconstituted it and pulled it back. Like all the, uh, 
Uru that he was still in contact with that just like reformed and came back and the hilt became a piece of Yisidril. It was Yggdrasil, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. The world tree? Yeah. Um, But the idea that this corruption still existed in uh, Mjolnir, I think is super fascinating. And it also ties into the the worthiness, the, the, the spell being faulty now because it is no longer a pure storm or it's no longer a pure entity. I, I think that's really, really cool. I, I, I was, I was impressed that it was more than just your shit went bad, bro. Like, yeah. Like I bet you never thought Mjolnir could go yeah. bad, it's, but it's you not were wrong. A, yeah. It's not, and it's, it's not some <laughs> yeah. sort of inorganic character turn. He at least introduces uh, reasoning and rationale that is within, that doesn't neglect mm. or counteract previous continuity yeah which is like um, prime jeff johns type shit and i appreciate it yeah agreed although jeff johns also, tends to go a little farther back you know what i mean like this is like still modern kind of this is like the previous writer um, um or two previous yeah, maybe. I, two, but i mean two it's still previous. very similar like i'm not i'm not uh discounting Wait, your point three previous writers uh because we're talking yeah like jm this has got jms in it this has got jason aaron in it and then, I mean, you can go all the way back to uh, Kirby and Lee in regards to Mangog and and the first fight and then being thrown in the sun and the return during blah, 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 blah. Was that not Jason Aaron, Mangog? It was the return was Jason Aaron, but the actual introduction was fucking 60 years ago, 50 years ago. And he didn't uh, show up much at all. Okay. In between. Hmm. I also like um, when she talks about the the not not the word the spell for mm. Mjolnir. Um, you thought my enchantment meant you must be a worthy warrior to be noble or true of heart. But ask yourself, Thor, does any of that describe you? <laughs> uh, I am a hammer. To be worthy of me is to break, to smash, to destroy. And you, with your throne and your crown and your speeches, I I just I, I like that. It's like I've to be <laughs> worthy of of Thor's hammer. I was like Thor's always been kind of kind of a dick. Well, so why did he, was he not breaking enough stuff before when he was stripped of the hammer? No, no, no. It's just, I think what, what she's saying is, um, you thought, you, you thought of, you think of yourself one way, Hmm. but I think of you a different way. That's all. Yeah. Like the, the, uh, the concept or the idea. And also too, we're talking about an unreliable narrator at this point because it is a, yeah, Yeah. it's infected, an infected or broken version. But the idea of I'm a hammer. I identify worthiness as who can use me the most effectively, mm. not who deserves my help. Like, no. Yeah. I think that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the stuff Thor does with lightning in this is pretty cool. Mm. Where, in fact, yeah. Mjolnir herself recognizes it as cool, where he's like about to drown and he calls the lightning down to evaporate the pool and uh, making mm. the lightning sword was pretty sweet also. Yeah, it's a game recognizing game. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. speaking oh. of recognition, Mjolnir is like, oh, I had that dalliance with, with Jane. What about Eric Masterson? Mjolnir doesn't care at all about Eric Masterson. Nope. Nobody Not does. Yet. That's why... They I, were together. Yeah. That's why um, uh, uh, Donald Blake killed him first. Oh, he killed Eric Masterson. I thought yeah. Eric Masterson was already dead. Oh. No, he, he ended up killing a bunch of... Uh, the Thunderstrike, he killed uh, the other dude... 
and he tried to kill oh, Thrawn. Oh, Thunderstrike, I think, was his son at this point. I think. Man. I haven't seen him around in a long time. Anybody what about Beta Ray Bill? He tried to. Oh, all right, good. Well, I'm yeah, glad he did. All, all, I mean, yeah, Beta Ray Bill's been alive. But uh, uh, Brutal good. ripping yeah. up his arm. Now we've got, we're back to the continuity where he potentially only has one real arm. I like this. Yeah. This is dope. Yeah, this is a, I just think it's just a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, all right, final, finally, Usagi Ojimbo, Lone Goat and Kid Number 1 from IDW with art and words by Stan Sakai. Presented in all new color, the next stories of classic Usagi reprints focuses on a series of important short stories from the early days of the Ronin Rabbit's adventures. In this first issue, Frost and Fire, Usagi is tasked with retrieving a slain samurai's swords if he can solve an impossible moral quandary first. So um, we do a book club. Um, and so we did uh, Usagi Ojimbo Origins Volume 1 a couple weeks back, maybe about a month ago. Uh, and that's sort of... I've dallied uh, in, in um, Usagi books here and there, but I never really stick around for any extended period of time. Uh, but this one was good. I actually enjoyed this. Um, trying to bring it up now. Um, what did you think, Noel? Um, I thought it was more of the same, and that's why yep, I really... That's why I don't read that many. Well, that's why I, I really <laughs> I really liked it. There's um, there's a um, parable kind of feeling to all of these stories. Like, yeah, it's not for binging, but it's also... It reads so incredibly easy. It's To me, it's one of those examples of something something seeming so simple, but it's not, or, or it's done so well that it seems unimpressive. You know, like, like when somebody does their job incredibly well, you don't notice it. Like you don't notice how effective these are because they seem so simple. And so just like one note, but they're just, they're just so nice. Like, like, like water that's not too warm or not too cold. Just perfect. Like these, this is so wonderful. I, I really liked it. They're the comics that Goldilocks chose. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, it's been going on for, what, 37 years now? Same writer, yeah. same artist. Quite a while. It doesn't matter where you start reading. Like, it's just perpetual stories. I love it. Yeah. yeah it was it's, very pleasant. Yeah. That? It was very pleasant. Mm -hmm. It was like a pleasant yeah. story to read. Except for all the murder well, and yeah. betrayal. Yeah, the actual events of the story were not pleasant at all. <laughs> I, I find that too, that that kind of like juxtaposition of anthropomorphic, adorable animals, but actual like harsh, sometimes horrific stories with people doing awful things. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a square to circle. Uh, it's, it's a little off-putting, but it also, I don't know, it just kind of works. It works like peanut butter and chocolate. Like, it's just two things that I would not have thought, and they just, they work for me. Those are good. Yeah. You got your samurai and my rabbit. You got your rabbit and my samurai. Like, my rabbit is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I need a new my rabbit. My rabbit drowned in peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, I, I, in that analogy, I actually thought the rabbit was stabbed. Yeah, me too. That's <laughs> your what samurai I Samurai and my rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That rabbit is not breathing. <laughs> my man, my man stabbed his own sister. Yeah. Right? But it, that was not on purpose, right? He just then kind of took advantage of it happening. 
Yeah, but then yeah, at first he seemed he seemed kind of bummed out about it. He was like, "Oh yeah. no, I stabbed my sister." Anyway, I'm going to go hang out with my buddies and drink. <laughs> He's just straight sociopath because you also find out too that he ended he he arranged yeah. his, her boyfriend to get murdered because he wasn't going to yeah. pay him. Yeah. He's he's a very sort of uh, he's like an archetype of a character, and this populates like the whole story. Like there's these are very uh, like very broad stroke, yeah. uh, kind of like you mentioned, all like parable level kind of thing. Yeah. I found myself while I was reading it, I was like, this seems very old, and I didn't realize that it is very old. I thought it, it was like a old. newer tale. Uh, yeah. The funny thing is, it this is still ongoing. So IDW is publishing, yeah. but like it, it's essentially Usagi every two weeks. There is a current oh, ongoing wow. that is all new stories, and then there's mm-hmm. these, which are reprints of the original in color. So like they always have been in black and white. Um, mm-hmm. You could read both, and there yeah. and not be able to tell what's the new and what's the old or what it, oh, really? yeah like they are yeah. they are the most consistently produced at stories art and like content wise it's hmm. it's dope yeah i don't think i've ever read a usagi ojimbo comic before uh although i've i've heard about them you know for years and years i think that's one of the reasons why we kept it on the on the call sheet this week like it's not the most it's not the sexiest book that came out this week there's a couple other like big ones but this is a this is a nearly no it doesn't do it for me this is a nearly (laughs) 40 year old consistent series Mm -hmm. all done by one man when we've never talked about it (laughs) yeah 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 and in fact, JD and I uh, thought up until recently that it was part of the Ninja Turtles universe because I think they had a crossover Techn- once. Technically, it is. Well, technically, it, oh, it, yeah. the character is, but these stories are not. So, okay, the character has been has had a crossover into a couple of episodes of the cartoon, and there mm. was oh, there really there were episodes of the like the old the original cartoon. Yeah, actually, almost every version of car- of the cartoon has had. Usagi show up, whether it's for an arc or just kind of like a cameo appearance. Um, Like a time travel thing usually, or I don't recall. Um, But also there have been um, comic book series where the turtles show up, but they are not the modern version of the turtles. Like they're like Sam, they're actually like samurai. So that's interesting. It's, it's was really, it's not like these all exist in the same universe so much as, the turtles have used the character and mm-hmm. Stan Sakai has also used the turtle characters almost like an agreement, but nothing really shared. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like they are similar, uh, like echoes <laughs> of each other in the kinda. other ones. Universe, yeah. Cause I, I think when we did the book club too, I had to look up a bunch of information about like for notes, uh, Usagi Ojimbo, it started as short stories in, an anthology, a comic anthology for fanographics called creatures. I think, it was just like hmm. little one-off anthology issues. These are these are fucking creepy uh, uh, variant covers. Um, like, um, that's these are cool as hell. That's straight yeah. furry. Um, I mean, I, I'd the whole them. book. Yeah, I like the cover that they went with. Uh, who's the actual uh, cover artist? Because it's not Stan Sakai. No. Yeah, that threw me too. We see that cover, and then we turn the page, and I was like, "Oh, this is very different from that cover." Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. 
This is I I I enjoyed I enjoy this now. This is not like um I know that there's a large collection, um but I have been enjoying just buying these reprints in collected edition because I never read the original stuff. Yeah, yeah. These are it's it's this is absolutely you know this is like a these books are like a palette cleanser. That's the artist for the cover. Yeah, I'm trying to find the credits. Um, so what's the goat and kid thing? Lone goat and kid is so that like the lone- over arc? Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, this is what, when it's eventually collected as a trade paperback, it'll be Lone Goat and Kid, and it's a bunch of short oh, stories. Oh, David Peterson. Um, Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Oh, that was yeah, great. Mouse Guard was awesome. So, also, interestingly, um, the second <laughs> mention of the word kid on the, on, podcast, on the podcast tonight, and this one is not spelled with two Ds. If it ends <laughs> up being a goat, we don't know. That's a good point. Um, lone Goat and Kid. Now, first of all, uh, thank you for telling me that it was called Lone Goat and Kid. You would not have known that to look at the cover. Yeah. You gotta see that they, cover. Usagi Yojimbo L-O-N A-T-N Kid. It's because like, of his ears are covering <laughs> most of Lone Goat. I, I feel like they can get away with it because these are reprints. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's basically, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a reference to Lone... Um, Wolf and Cub. Lone, lone Wolf and Cub. Thank you. I couldn't. All I could think of as Lone Goat. Um, lone Wolf and Cub, um, which are classic samurai tales about a um, a samurai who happens upon a small child and takes him in a pram, town to town, village to village, and you know, rights wrongs. The way that these are the, as far as I know, because I've only read a handful, but the way that these Sagio Jimbo series are kind of structured, it ends up being like. Uh, three or four short stories and then like a two or three issue story and that's the arc um, so the fact that the lone goat and kid stuff hasn't come in yet is pretty normal like it probably won't yeah. until like the third issue of this arc it's a it's a lot of parables and allegories and then one connecting story where there's actual kind of a super plot and then that and then they bow out like it's they're very digestible so there is kind of like an ongoing story that by the end of it has not changed the structure and then a different ongoing story starts. Yeah, there. like there's a there's a yeah. larger plot to of his master, his like uh, his master's murder by the hands of this other army and the leader of that other army. Like there's a larger plot, but it's almost immaterial to the way that the shorter stories are structured, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So are there like eras of Usagi Ojimbo where like okay in the present time this thing has long been solved not eras so much as fans fans usually will just speak of it in where it was published at the time because it's been published by a bunch of different publishers so there's the fanographics era there's the dark Dark horse era and now the IDW Mm. era new stuff has been printed in all of them but IDW Mm. is the first that's gone back to reprint the original fanographic stuff in colorized. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say, uh, you know, I, I love, I'm not a person who usually says, Oh, black and white comics, they need to be colorized for me to give a shit. Um, normally I think, uh, colorizing black and white comics sort of detracts from it sometimes, depending upon the color. These look great. They do. This is perfect coloring for this, this sort of, uh, work. Um, I do have the black and whites. 
but uh, the coloring it works really well. What were you we gonna say, Brian? I'm sorry. Oh, um, well, to that point, I I usually am somebody who's like, ah, black and white comic, I'm not interested. You know, I just, I like black and white art. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for whatever reason, black and white comics usually don't suck me in the way comics with color do. Unless it's the rare thing that just looks like it ought to be black and white, not like we would have done color, but we're not doing color, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and this... This looks just right. You know, it looks like this is what we would have done if we were colorizing it back then. Um, they have kind of that era's colorization. Yeah, they, they feel didn't. Too. They didn't go out of way to modernize it in any kind of way. Like, yeah. it does look original. Yeah. Um, There's oh, slight but, gradients, but mm. but a lot of it's also accomplished with like, you know, which was probably already there. Um, like hatching in the background yeah. it's not really cross hatching yeah. but you know stuff like that just um, hatching yeah just yeah hatching all in the same direction um and oh what i was gonna say is guys i must correct myself i looked it up real quick kid is not spelled with two d's but the leather thing is correct but it was not there's like a few places where people have spelled it with two d's but no it's just k-i-d so i knew it you idiot well, but the leather thing is still the case. You're f- nope. You're fired. Idiot. Yeah. Stupid. I think we got to wear a mask. I also, I also don't, uh, um, I'm not a giant fan of like colorizing. Actually, I, I think, uh, what it, like the walking dead right now, the deluxes, I actually don't think they look that great. Mm-hmm. I, I really prefer the black and white. The Tony Moore stuff always looks good colored, but I don't think the Charlie Adlard art looks as good as it does just in stark black and white. Mm. Mm. Um, oh, I like it. I think it looks good. Eh. No, I like it in black and white. You know though. what it is? I what find, um, I found um, Charlie Adlard's work needs the coloring sometimes. Um, I find his, I find his uh, character designs to be a little, um, Samesies sometimes in the same way that I had the trouble with, um, gosh, what was his name? Brian Lee O'Malley and Scott Pilgrim. Oh, so that's better colored. There's, yeah. 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 But anyway, uh, anything else before we split? I, oh, you know what? I do have one thing. What is it? I was thinking about doing a thunder round on it, but I didn't. Thunder round. This was delightful. Mary Jane and Black Cat. When I saw there was going to be a Mary Jane and Black Cat comic, I was like, oh, come on, you guys. And I don't know why I keep doing that. Because this was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also liked what we read of the Gwen Stacy comic before that got canceled because of COVID. Um, The the Black Cat series is delightful from what I've read. Um, And this is more of that. We weren't wrong with the Mary Jane series. That wasn't very good at all. By the way, oh, I only read one issue of that, and I didn't care. Yeah, but the, the, other, I mean, that's one out of a bunch of the 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 Jed McKay Black Cat is fantastic, and this is just a continuation of that. Yeah, very good issue. This was very very good this issue. Was great. It was a one shot. Yeah, if you're reading Spider Man, you should definitely read uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat because this was delightful. Uh, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Thanks so much for everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, Mars Comics says Jed McKay is doing great work. Yeah, all right. I concur, doctor. Um, Great. And we will see you here next Monday, 9 p.m. Read some comics and come chat with us about them. We love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk at you later.
Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.